Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he's rich, like crazy rich, it's Arturo Zurita! Bro, you told me you are going to go for the other one. Maybe you're saving it for the outro, but uh, yeah, dude, a big weekend if you were an Asian American or just Asian in general. Had you at the movies, had you at Netflix all over the place, so it's a big week for that, representation and all that. And uh, joining us today is someone who's who's got a little movie coming out as well. Um, you know, this, everyone always says there's not enough female filmmakers out there. <laughs> we don't push enough female filmmakers out there, but I am glad to know a female, female filmmaker myself, and uh, her name is Nicole. She's got, a, she's got a YouTube channel. She's got a couple of videos out there. She's got actually two YouTube channels, one with the shorts, uh, another one where she's been making video essays. I believe you call it Bauer Power, right? I do. Bauer I th- Power. Yeah. And then she's got another short film that she's working on uh, that she'll be pitching to you guys as well. It, the The crowdsourcing is about to start in a couple of days or weeks uh called as we go nickel power everyone yeah super applause thank you thank you <laughs> i like that for you joining yeah, yeah. No from. i like that you segue from hey if you were asian american you had a big weekend by <laughs> yeah, the way representation here's by the way here's a nickel <laughs> that's the way that we do it black panther here is my jewish friend zach <laughs> Representation the only way we know how. Uh, In a little bit, we're going to talk about Netflix ads as well as movies that might be missing from the internet. But first, we're going to start the podcast. We start every week, the way we start every week, with what we've been watching. Art, what you been watching? Uh, I saw Crazy Rich Asians. I saw uh, To All the Boys I Used to Love, which is on Netflix, and I absolutely loved that one. I thought that was really good. Uh... I finished Insatiable. I, I don't know if we talked about this last week, did we? Yeah, yeah, you hadn't finished it yet. And, you hadn't finished uh, it yet. You're calling it kind of trash. I was calling it kind of trash. The ending is another genre. Yeah. Have uh, you heard about the ending? Nicole, have you seen it? I haven't, no. Have you heard about it? Just now. Okay, so <laughs> Insatiable is a show about, it's a 12-episode it's a thing on Netflix. Alyssa Milano, like, produced it, and it's pretty much, uh... I forget her name. I know her from The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Or Sweet Life on Deck. Um, she has a fat suit on because she gets bullied for being fatty oh, patty. No. Loses all the weight and then becomes like this really big bully. It's half based off of a true story. Bro, with lines like, wow, I really love him. Yeah, but he's a child molester. That means I have a chance <laughs> to... Oh. to <laughs> oh, yeah, to lines like... That's it, I'm you're done, Asian. I'm Yeah, you're Asian. What are you doing? I'm not Asian. I'm adopted. <laughs> that reminds the me of the ending. vine. The, hey, I'm, I'm yeah. a lesbian. A lesbian, That's, I thought you were American. Bro, it's like, it's <laughs> literally a bunch of stuff like that, and the ending somehow topped it all off. I'm not going to spoil it here. Uh, probably, I'm, I'm making, after watching that much, I'm going to make a video on it, but it is, it is the weirdest thing there's a message in there between all of the, the trashiness. There is a message in there. That's what I've been watching, and I've been trying to watch it out of my brain. So I saw the Conjuring I, series. Wait, wait, wait. I can't tell whether or not you liked the way that it, it ended. Is it just more of the same? Because, or, or does it redeem itself a little bit? Like, what's going on? So you know like how some people like horror movies, as in, like, the... I was going to say the Caterpillar one. The Human Centipede one. <laughs> yeah. The because of how crazy it is. It's like, wow, yeah. that was terrible. I can't wait to show this to other people. It's like that. Okay. 
it, yeah, it's weird. So, I, I'm surprised they have the balls to do it. Okay, so it stays trashy. Oh, it gets trashier. Good to know. Uh, it's a yes, 100%. Everyone watch it. Go to your local Netflix and check it out if you can. Uh, yeah, no, it's a weird show. It's, it, is, it is one of the weirdest shows I've ever seen. Cool. That's what uh, I've been watching. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Nicole, what have you been watching? Uh, as the most recent movie I've seen was The Meg, which oh. I... Oh, please. This is the, my, not, my vote goes to this for Picture of the Year. <laughs> oh, because popular, popular film. Popular, yeah, when, I, popular. when I first found it, I thought I had stumbled upon this like little B-grade movie that like no one was going to know about. I, didn't, I found out it was about a shark, and I saw like one of the very first teasers for it. I didn't even know who mm-hmm. was in it. I was like, all right, cool. I found like a like kind of a crappy little B-grade horror movie that like me and five other people will see, and it's been selling out theaters. Yep. Consistently yeah, for like movie. what a week or two now. Yeah. This is my new favorite thing. I saw it the day it came out. <laughs> and you liked uh, it. Yeah. I mean, I have my complaints f- about it, and like certain things could have been done better, but I was able to identify those things, and uh-huh. I can kind of forgive it. You know, take it for what it is. Situation. How do you feel it stacks up against the great tradition of uh, sharks in cinema, dating back to Jaws and Steven Spielberg? And Forty-seven oh, well, meters down, shallows, all the new ones. See, I have a fear of deep water, so oh. watching those is always is hard for me. I can't mm-hmm. even watch the Titanic. Hmm. Uh, um, so. I mean, nothing's ever going to compare to Jaws. Uh-huh. I'm a big uh, fan of Steven Spielberg, if only because of Jurassic Park. She but likes Jurassic Park a little, a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. Just I a am, little bit. I am wearing the t-shirt. I have. Yeah. I do have the shirt on. Um, I have all the pop figures as well. If you if you were wondering. Turns into a thirty minute just like, <laughs> and over here in this hallway we and have another closet. <laughs> She's got like a dim Indominus Rex, yeah. Um, but. It's actually coming back to theaters as a Fathom event. Bro, I saw that. People yeah. need to... If you have not seen Jurassic Park in IMAX when they re-release it, it is 100% worth it. Absolutely. Um, the 3D was, like, okay back in the day, but mm-hmm. it's definitely worth seeing mm-hmm. on the big screen. But uh, with the Meg, I don't think it, you know... I think it stacks up to other movies that are kind of, I would put, in the same genre, such as, like, you know, The Shallows or maybe, like, more of the sci-fi channel movies because that's what it reminded me of like piranhas 3d or something right right right. (laughs) yeah it stacks up against those it's probably the best out of those but if you have a list of like best shark movies like one through 100 or whatever at the top of that list as an asterisk like never gonna change (laughs) is jaws right right so the meg's somewhere on there for me Cool. So the Meg, uh, the big movie at the box office this weekend, gets the thumbs up from Nicole. As for two what of them. I've been, two of them. <laughs> As for what I've been watching, uh, Insecure came back on HBO. Oh damn, that's right, it did. Yeah, it's back for a third season. Issa's driving Lyft, trying to turn her car into the party lift and stuff. Uh, I've found the show to be consistently delightful. I went and went back through the whole second season to prepare for uh, this season. And it's interesting to chart Issa Rae's growth. You know, she's one of the people who grew out of YouTube and uh, went into the mainstream. Mm -hmm. And kind of the way that she's 
seamlessly turned her brand from awkward to cool and sexy without really changing. Uh, it, it, it's, it's strange to me because when I found out Awkward, Awkward Black Girl is getting a series on HBO, I wasn't expecting it to be like one of the most sex-driven shows on TV. Yeah. Uh, and, and, not, and not in like a gross way or anything, just it's about relationships, it's about people figuring themselves out, and it, I think it does it in kind of like a really engaging uh, honest way that that's fun to see. I, I really enjoy her perspective on modern dating, uh, her her general appeal. Like, I, I, it's just a consistently charming show with, and it's set in a universe where everybody's really attractive, yeah. and it's a fun world to live in. Uh, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying her navigate the treachers of single life. Now, which one did you like more, season one or season two? So the show, I think, becomes a little bit more fun in season two. Uh-huh. Uh, it's season one, she's dealing a lot more with, like, should I be in this relationship? And there's a lingering question of, you know, is a secret going to be revealed? And then season two is much more of just a fun dating in L.A. show. Yeah, they're going to, like, so, expos, and there's the exactly. I episode. and but yes. I really liked the ending of season two. Like, that was one of the best finales on TV. It was being an HBO show and stuff, too. Yeah, the 30 Days conceit was really cool in that uh, season two finale. So, yeah, uh, season three is back. There's been two episodes as of this podcast recording, so uh, I'm really enjoying it. Let me know if you've been watching Insecure in the comments down below. Let me know whatever you've been watching in the comments down below. Uh, We should move on to Yay or Nay, where we break down the latest happenings in the entertainment industry, starting with... If you binged a show on Netflix this weekend, your viewing experience may have been a bit less seamless than usual. The streaming service began testing placement of ads between episodes while users binge content. Uh, For example, viewers who want to catch up on the first season of Big Mouth might get an ad for the new show Disenchantment between episodes of your binge. Art, yay or nay, ads, even small ones, will ruin Netflix. They're not putting it in. They're not pulling a Hulu where it's in the episode, right? No, it's not in the episode. It's still between episodes. And it's just ads for Netflix stuff? That's what it seems like. Uh, I'm not as against it as other people are. Mm-hmm. I had, like, you, remember that outrage that happened when people were like, I can't scroll Netflix without the autoplay? It's annoying. Yeah. But I wasn't like I wasn't like furious, right? Right. To me, your TV. Yeah, I I was. Yeah, exactly. I would just scroll, or I would be a game. It'd be like, ah, you're not gonna get me this time, and I would just scroll past it. Hulu, though, I literally, I have not cut up on *Handmaid's Tale*, *Rick and Morty* because I cannot stand four ads in an episode. But I also don't want to pay the extra four dollars. Right. So it's like if that's Netflix's thing to see, especially when it's just going to be Netflix shows the same ad over and over and over and over and over again, right? If there's not even going to be a variety of ads, then that might get a little annoying. I'm not as opposed to it as other people are. So as long as they're limiting it to like once every once in a while for like the end of the episode, I guess what it's trying to do is kind of get it into the minds of people. The way that I can see it as being a positive thing is whenever we were talking about Mudbound or other movies that make it onto the streaming service right, that right. then get buried, remember? Like Cloverfield, yeah. that got enough. That, that got real commercials. Right. There is that thing that happens with a lot of indie features, particularly on Netflix, where 
the amount of content on Netflix is so great mm -hmm. that it just becomes hard to find the stuff that's not already huge. And you know, this potentially is another pathway to get people's eyes on right. your content. Exactly. That's how I feel about it. Nicole, any thoughts? Uh, I don't think it's that big of a deal, especially if it's only, you know, between episodes, only Netflix content. Because I actually saw an ad for Disenchantment, and I'm like, you know what? That looks like something Check I might it. watch. And, you know, I might work. not have heard about it until six months later. Uh -huh. I also don't usually watch the newest, most popular shows on, mm -hmm. like, a platform like Netflix. Like, I'm a big fan of Last Chance U. And right. that's oh, it. Yeah. It's been there. Yeah, and they've got uh, the new season out. Season three's out. It's a whole new school, new coach and all that. It's still probably one of their more popular shows, but I don't know if it's as popular as Big Mouth or, you know, 13 Reasons Why or something like that. Right, yeah. right. I yeah, it could be used for good. Exactly. Like, I, I think Netflix has enough interesting content that hopefully it's just a way to be shown a little bit more of it and help mm. you guide through the network. I know I'm one of the people who sometimes feels like, oh, well, it's hard to find something on Netflix. No, it really uh, is, dude. I was, when I was trying to watch Insatiable, which I didn't even want to watch to begin with, I had to scroll all the way to the end of the new releases. I'm like, it's the biggest thing you got out right now. This is the only one I'm trending on Twitter. Right, right. So, I mean, anything that would potentially help guide making, gui making guide Netflix a bit easier mm -hmm. sounds good to me. I'm just hoping that it's not a situation where we're going to be stuck watching like, two-minute ads that you can't back out of or whatever. Uh, you know, I, I've accidentally auto-played the uh, Hemlock Grove ad enough times that uh -huh. it's still burned into my brain. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's still within the service. It's not interrupting the episodes. I don't have a problem with that. There's a skip version, especially, and we've talked about this before, Scorsese's got a movie coming out. But yeah. I just found out the other day Roma's going to Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Well, Bro. see, and there's yeah, and that's the other thing is we'll start to get filmmakers who are negotiating whether or not they can show Netflix can show yeah. ads, right? Dude, uh, I forget who it was, but some filmmaker negotiate. I think it might have even been Noah Baumbach who said like, "You can show my movie, but you have to let the credits play without the watch, watch this huh? thing next coming up." So, dude, and I remember Xavier Dolan said the same thing. Yo, mommy's on Netflix. You guys better not overcrop my thing. But right. uh, Coron's movie's coming. Alfonso Coron's movie, Roma. I did not know that was a Netflix thing. Uh, Scorsese's yeah. movie's going to Netflix. Jeremy's uh, Green Room director, Jeremy's, Jeremy Saulnier. Sol his is going to Netflix. And there was mm -hmm. another director I just found out today. His movie's going straight to Netflix. And I was like, uh, Hell or High Water director, his next movie, yeah. straight to. These are like guys who just got Oscars and they're going straight to Netflix. Yeah, so. Netflix is making a lot of big plays. We'll see. Timur Bekmambetov, I had to try a couple times to prove I pronounced that name correctly, has made films like Night Watch and the ill-fated Ben-Hur remake from 2016, but he's also a producer behind the most recent Unfriended and Art's favorite upcoming film, Searching. Oh, okay. Yeah, Fo yeah, yeah. Following, those, uh, following those experiences, the filmmaker is developing a technology called Screen Life in the hopes of making it easier for filmmakers to capture on-screen narratives. And currently, Timur is producing 14 movies oh, taking place wow. across a variety of genres that all take place entirely on a computer screen. Nicole, yay or nay, this on-screen narrative 
movie trend is is more than just a trend. Uh, I'm gonna say nay, dog. It is only a trend, in the same way Ooh. that um, like the Paranormal Activity. Found footage. Found right. footage. That's what it is. How that was a trend, and it's not its own genre either. And I, I believe I heard Mark Duplass. I think it was make that argument of it's not a, a genre. It's a technique. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd agree right. with. Yeah, for me, I think the on-screen thing is a little impersonal. And it creates a separation between the characters that we're watching because I'd rather see, you know, if you're watching two people have a conversation, you have the shot reverse shot and you're essentially seeing it from the other's perspective, which makes sense if these people are interacting on a computer screen. But there's also the whole idea of people act differently on the Internet than they do Mm -hmm. in real life. And you essentially feel anonymous and in in real life, you have that, you know, you feel like you're anonymous to everybody else. So it kind of, for me, brings that into the movie. There's that separation. Which maybe maybe that's what they're going for. But well, to me, it creates, uh, it's a little impersonal. I think like with, uh, Eighth Grade didn't fully do it. But I think that uh, since we spend so much time already on our phones or whatever else, I can get how it's impersonal, but at the same time, it depends on the director. Like you said, it's a technique. It's not a genre. Yeah. So yeah. some people are going to use the technique, and it's going to be complete crap, right? Some some people do sh- shoot movies uh, re- re- uh, shot reverse shot. <laughs> it's terrible. You're like, yeah, what am I looking at? True. So um, I think depending on what the story goes for, right? Like one of the reasons I love searching is because it really takes into account the fact of all the information that a family puts on their first computer. And how they upgrade and how some information is lost. And how right. sometimes that all, all the communication just happens. It's documented, right? Our phones, all this stuff, it documents stuff. And that becomes a big part in searching about how he, he looks back at the conversations he had with his family members. Uh, I was spoiling too much. And I think when it's used like that, it could be very interesting because, uh, again, a lot of what we do, what we're doing right now is on the computer. <laughs> you know, like... Well, all of our conversations between Zach and I happen through the computer because right. he lives in New York. So uh, I think it could be done well, but I agree with you. It's going to become another found footage thing. I've been seeing that for the longest time, and I and I adore yes. found footage movies, and I really like when people are able to do whatever the name for this is going to be, on-screen capture. Um, we're going to get mean, a bunch of trash I think ones. It's, I think it's a sign of the times, too. I mean, I agree with you, and you know, we're all always on the computer and always on our phones. Yep. So, of right. course, integrate that into the movies. But I do think Searching will probably be one of the best movies to do it. Yeah, you know, uh, I think increasingly so. modern life is lived through a screen and, and we find out information through it and we talk to people through it. So I think that moments in movies that happen on a computer screen will, incre- will happen increasingly, but I don't think it's going to be a bunch of unfriendeds and searchings that take place entirely on a movie screen. That uh, movie with Amy Poehler and Will Ferrell, The House, um, I think they have a moment where they're like looking up whether or not their daughter got into college on a computer. And that's just a scene, you know? I feel like oh, more, yeah. as we progress, will there be more movies that have just a scene that takes place on a computer? Uh, and they'll integrate it into the larger perspective because, you know, while we do live a lot of our lives on the computer, we don't live all of our all lives of on the computer. And, and I think what'll be interesting is to see when people start to just implement this as a 
big part of a movie without making it like a big technique of the entire experience the way that searching and unfriended intentionally limit themselves to a computer screen mm -hmm. right you know i i will also say that i think the movie oh my gosh what year did it come out in probably like 2006 2007 uh never back down with <laughs> um Cam Gigande and I can't remember the other guy's name. Yeah, Digimon. I would call him Digimon. Why? The the actor you just said, I always see his name as Digimon. I'm looking at the movie right now. I adore that movie. Oh, I know who you're talking about. He mm -hmm. was in Yeah, I know who you're talking about. The trainer, yeah. Um But they had a sequence where his name's Jake in the movie, and because it's an MMA movie, I always want to call him Jake Shields. But mm -hmm. when Jake gets beat up at the party and then he has to go to school and deal with everybody sharing it and you know yeah uh, seeing it online they had a good sequence of like showing phone screens and then right. it's going all around the school and him like kind of just kind of literally following them through the school but what i like about that is they had some screen images i believe but they also did like over the shoulder shots of like the, him looking of at phones. it you can see right, like, in right, the environment right. yeah uh, have either of you seen Noah, the short film? This is something that premiered at the Toronto Film Festival, I want to say four years ago. Uh, and what I th found interesting about it in comparison to most on-screen narrative movies, uh, whereas I th think a lot of the stuff that I've seen is kind of horror or thriller, this is much more personal. Uh, it's a kind of dramedy of sorts. Uh, it gives you a look at this teenager's life. I found it very beautiful and emotional. So. It's online and worth checking out, and it makes me think that it'll be interesting to check out what some filmmakers do when they expand the genres that we expect yeah. from this technique. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what happened with the uh, found footage ones. They were all horrors. And then we got, like, Chronicle and stuff. Yep. For all the movies available to us through streaming platforms, there's a large list of movies that are simply unavailable to download or rent through any major streaming service. Screenwriter and co-host of the Script Notes podcast, John August, noted this in a recent blog post on his website. And so, he decided to start crowdsourcing a document called Missing Movies in the hopes of pushing distributors of these films to find an online home. August, who is also a member of the Motion Picture Academy, says that he hopes this is an issue that the Oscars, which do concern themselves with film preservation, will look into as well Art, yay or nay, the internet is still missing too many older movies. I, I, I always thought that was the Criterion, Criterion's job. <laughs> Y'all, they do wizardy magic over there. You ever seen how they fix films? I don't even know how they do that. Like, if someone, if you threw out your trash and there was a Criterion person who picked it up, they'd be able to connect everything, all of your information, <laughs> the way they put this stuff together. They, it's like those people from Argo. Right. Like, they take the Putting time the to, like, get every single string. Exactly, and they put it back together, and it's, like, brand new. I, I think, yeah, I don't get why we don't already have everything documented in, like, one place, but it, it's even going to come down to that, rights of some movies, right? Uh, movie is a thing that has rights to some specific yeah. movies out there. and Very obscure movies. Very obscure movies. For the most part. And uh, what's it called? Who's the other one that has it? Filmstruck. Yeah, Filmstruck. Yeah, they, they're the ones that are teamed up with Criterion. Yeah. Um, but then Hulu. Netflix. 
There's a bunch of other uh, Sundance now has their own in where they're all they all want to stream their own things. And I think we're also getting to a point where it's like physical CDs are, are diminishing. Best Buy doesn't even sell them anymore was the news. And you get to a point where it's just like, OK, sure, the movies need to come back. But does that mean they're still going to be accessible if you need to have like 20 different services? Right, right. To get them. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's the thing, though. Sometimes it's beyond, like, is it not on my service? It could be, like, not on any service. There are still some movies that fall through the cracks. Mm -hmm. I think he was talking about The Flamingo Kid or something like that. And it's, you know, when you talk, talk about Criterion, uh, they primarily deal in classics, or at least their definition of classics. Yeah. And uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that the other movies aren't worth preserving as well. That's true. So it, it, it'll be interesting to see, like, where some of these movies end up ultimately finding homes because uh, we have copyright laws and at the, the further and further you get into the 20th century, the harder and harder it is to uh, navigate some of those copyright laws. So even as we progress into the 21st century, there's going to be a lot of stuff that feels like it should be out in the open that like won't be in the public domain and mm -hmm. won't be accessible. I'm always surprised that uh, Netflix doesn't put more just public domain stuff like some old short, uh, some old silent films and stuff like that. Birth just of a Nation. Service at, at, at just as a way of like providing us as a service. That is true. Like if a, it can, yeah, why doesn't it? Right. Like I, if I knew Netflix had all that, I'd feel a little bit better about spending my money on it, knowing that I can go watch uh, old black and white films, uh -huh. although that's not their purview. Yeah. Uh, Nicole, any thoughts on the missing movies of the internet? Um, I think I kind of agree with Ar Arturo on this one. Um, because of copyrights and all that, you would have to have a million and one services to access all them. Um, but I do I do like the idea of Netflix having that as kind of like a subcategory, they could even call right. it. That way, you know, people who are super into those, that's just more people you're drawing into your service. Yeah. But also, I mean... What if I want to watch the Maltese Falcon? I still haven't seen that. So. <laughs> you out of luck. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Can't find it. Got to find it. Yeah. Where's my Blu-ray steelbook of uh, the trip to the moon? Or the, oh, what's the, what's no. the one with the eye? Yeah, the yeah, yeah. delay, whatever. The trip to the moon <laughs> was on Netflix. Yeah. I, see, exactly. They yeah. had it. At and I don't, I don't know, know why they got rid of it. Well, because the trip to the moon is something else. Yeah. Stream, streaming rights is just too much. Yeah. It wasn't even the original... Like, A Trip to the Moon, it was some 1990-something remaster recolored, and it was set to, one? like, yeah, it was set to music. It was instrumental, mm. almost like a lo-fi, chill beats to study to type mix. Lo-fi hip-hop. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, uh, we're going to get to the rough cuts where we get into shorter news stories before we move on uh findmargo.com is let's go uh we're gonna mention we're mentioning arcs beloved searching for a second time this show uh because screen gems and sony released an interesting website in conjunction with the film if users on their mobile phones go to findmargo.com they'll be given access to the margo character's cell phone mm -hmm. in order to look for clues connected with her disappearance Art, you've already seen the movie, but Nicole, I don't know if you have. So let me ask you, uh, does this type of viral marketing make you more intrigued about a movie like Searching? Yeah, you know what it does? Although it kind of goes against me saying the whole I don't like on-screen uh -huh. stuff. It's <laughs> kind of in the same vein. But right. 
I think I'd be more likely to check it out even just to see how it plays out on my phone. Broad or like, hey, what happens if I try to access it through my desktop? Does it run the same? No, it doesn't right. even run at all. No? Yeah, oh, we tried, tried it. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I think I'd be more likely to try it out just to see how it runs. Although I'd have to constrain myself because I feel like I would almost spoil it for myself. I'd right, get, I'd get too into concern. it, yeah. I, I'm not going to go on, the, I think, unless Art tells me to, <laughs> until <laughs> after I, I see Searching. Because I, I don't it. want it to yeah. ruin any of the, of the experience for me. Yeah. I think it's super cool. I highly recommend it. It really doesn't spoil anything. It, it, at a certain point, it's actually kind of dumb. The phone gets a notification for the Searching trailer, so it's it's not like it's fully there. Yeah, it don't, <laughs> right. make, it don't right. make no right. damn sense. But anyways, yeah. yeah. It yeah, is but cool. It'd be cool. I, I hope more movies or studios experiment with this kind of like ARG, dude. Cloverfield yes. style. Exactly. I like it. Liam Neeson is set to star as a snowplow, op- snowplow operator out for revenge when his son is unjustly murdered by a local drug cartel in hard powder. Art, yeah or nay, you're ready for the Liam Neeson snowplow revenge movie. On Netflix, let's go. <laughs> you sure, I guess, yeah. Nicole, are you a fan of uh, Liam Neeson takes revenge on people? <laughs> or, or snowplows. Um, or snowplows. Or snowplows. Uh, I was a big fan of uh, Mr. Plow and the Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> this is just Mr. Plow takes the holiday. Um, yeah. You know what? Just because it just sounds... Is this a real thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so look, I'm going yay on this because this is a remake of a 2014 Norwegian film called In Order of Disappearance. Okay. I got to interview the director of that movie, Hans Peter Moland, at the Tribeca Film Festival back when it came out. Uh, it's a really fun, darkly comic movie starring Stellan Skarsgård. And, and when I saw it oh, yeah. then, Absolutely. I thought it would be perfect for a Liam Neeson American remake. I'm glad I'm not the That's only what you thought of? Thought. <laughs> yeah. I, I literally, you can go back and look for my review where I say it is a Norwegian Liam Neeson movie. I'm into it. I'm ready. I'll That's be there so opening specific. day. In my snowplow. seat. Buy my ticket in advance. I'm ready. Uh, I swore I oh. wanted to quit doing movie pass stories, but I just can't quit you movie pass. <laughs> the ticketing service caused an uproar by resubscribing its former subscribers who requested to cancel their service. Oh, okay. This was part this was part of a reveal of their new three movies per month plan, mm-hmm. along with a new restriction on what movies viewers are allowed to see, mm-hmm. uh, despite the fact that the service went down again this <laughs> past Sunday. Yeah, it did. Nicole, yay or nay, MoviePass is doing more harm than good at this point. Um, yay. And I definitely <laughs> need to double check that because I super canceled my subscription and yeah. I need to make sure they didn't renew that on me. Yeah, yeah. um... I canceled it. I think it's over already. It should be over by now. Assuming they didn't resubscribe me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, no. People, I work at a movie theater, and people come in all the time, and they're like, hey, how do I, where's my movie? It's not loading. And they're like, where, right. they ask where the wife, like, what's your Wi-Fi, the Wi-Fi password? Is if that's going to help? Yeah, well, right. they don't think it's loading fully for some reason. Yeah. And so I'm like, nope, oh, well, these are pass. only the movies that you can see. And they're like, well, yeah. how come I can't see Mission Impossible? It sounds like because a it's Mission problem. Impossible. Yeah. Right. Because <laughs> you should pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> Support indie cinema. Bro, uh, dude, it sucks. And I still remember. Remember, I used to talk about Movie Pass all the time. And I remember you got it around the time that um. Uh, you got it this year, right? You got it earlier this year. Yeah, the first movie we saw when I had it was Early Man. What, what a disappointment that was. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we wanted to go see Early Man. And, yeah. And. Uh, <clears throat> 
at that point, MoviePass was still, like, mm-hmm. good. Now, again, I owe MoviePass probably, like, $800, $900. So, <laughs> I don't want to speak <laughs> ill of it. Even with this service plan, it's still cool to get three movies for 9 bucks. The only problem is you can't get them. Like, if you wake up in the morning, they will all be there. Then you get to the theater, and it's like, oh, okay, we've already sold too many. And it's like you're playing this gamble where it's like you got to go through loops just to get your $9 worth. Yeah, I, we all are fans of the service that MoviePass provides when it provides it. But that's the thing that's kind of, you know, as a customer of it, it feels disingenuine to be told, yeah, you're going to get access to these movies. And then they just don't show up. Like, mm-hmm. I I was thinking I would use my movie pass on Crazy Rich Asians because it wasn't available on Friday on Saturday, but they advertised it would be available on Sunday. App no, doesn't not. work on Sunday. Yep. It's And it's just, you know... I, I want to stay subscribed to MoviePass. I haven't canceled yet because I believe in the idea of it. Uh, I want to support it as long as it'll help me see movies for cheaper. But AMC A list. If it's not helping me see movies, then I don't know. It's that's, really a, that's a movie pass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wow. telling you, AMC. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for watching <laughs> the Intercut <laughs> Podcast. It was really great having you guys on, Nicole. Thank you. No, a- and if finally... It- He'll be oh. here all week, guys. Yeah. Well, go ahead. And no, I was finally, just saying AMC Wes, A-list. It's a better one. Wes Anderson is getting to work on his next film, a full-fledged musical set in post-World War II France. Art, yay or nay, you're excited for Wes Anderson to return to live action. Yes. But someone told me it was World War II, and I feel like he can't mention any Japanese people, <laughs> or else he, they will not let him direct something else. Well, it is set in France, not Asia, so... We'll see. Hopefully he'll steer clear of Hopefully, that. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, it is going to be post-World War II. I don't know how much I would want a Wes Anderson World War II movie, but uh, it'll be interesting he to see. He can get dark. Uh, yeah, but he mostly like skirts on the edge of dark, not so much. He's going to kill a dog in the movie. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> that's what he does. That's his, that's his constant right there, killing dogs. <laughs> All right, so uh, those are our yay or nay news bits. Let us know what you thought of this week's news in the comments down below. We're going to move on to our topic of the week. And this week's topic uh, is special for the group that we've got assembled. We brought on Nicole, who has done some producing of her own, has an upcoming movie, uh, to talk a little bit about producing in an ultra-low-budget uh, spectrum, in an ultra-low-budget way. Uh, it... it provides different challenges. It's a different set of problems than the ones that big blockbuster filmmakers face. So I think it'd be interesting to... Even indie. Or even indie. Even indie films. Yeah, I like those quotations. Right? The definition of indie is not what indie always was, considering Mm -hmm. you get these 10 to 20 million dollar indie films as well. Right? (laughs) Um, It's wild. Yeah, it went from like blockbusters to indies. And I remember we would be talking either in school or on Saturday. It's like... Indies, you know, right, it's like it's right. like Chance the Rapper is an independent artist with a twelve million dollar contract from Apple Music. Right, like this is the argument that I was trying to have with people who were calling Birdman an indie. It's like, yeah, yeah, maybe technically, but if but you're no. not giving your platinum, if you're not if you're not giving blood, like Robert Rodriguez was, yeah, it's not independent. <laughs> you need to be so, selling your blood. Uh, Nicole, you are in the midst of producing a short film yourself. Can you tell us a little bit about your project and about some of the challenges in seeking it to get made? I would love to. Not only am I one of the producers with Arturo and our buddy Akilesh, 
I writing. also wrote and directed it. Directed it. I haven't directed it yet. Well, yeah, not yet, but <laughs> casting it and all of threat. it. Yeah. yeah. A um, true independent. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, as it's called As We Go, and it's about this character, Kate, who returns home after about a year. It's like her first year away at university, and... She's having some trouble at school. She comes back to her hometown where she's grown up her entire life and she reconnects with her old friend, Brian. And they start to realize that their lives are going two completely different ways and they have to decide whether or not their lives kind of hold a place for each other anymore while trying to decide what they want to do with their life. It's the whole... You know, you're just out of high school feeling like the whole world's in front of you. How yeah. exciting that can be and how terrifying that can be. Loss of innocence, search for home yeah. type of narrative. Yeah. Very cool. And uh, so you said you haven't directed it yet. When are you hoping to uh, get into production? And yeah, so maybe talk about some of the obstacles between now and then. Um, we are shooting the first two weeks uh, in October. Very cool. A total of eight days over two weeks. Um, I'm currently in the process of finalizing the cast. Uh, we're doing callbacks in the next uh, week or two, week week and a half, and then we will have a crowdfunding thing all through the month of September, which will end as we get started in production. Um, I thought one of the more difficult things was going to be getting locations. Um, but I just kind of showed up and I was like, hey, can we film here? They're like, yeah, sure. Oh. That's what I think some of, some of the people uh, are surprised the most with. Because like, I know we get messages all the time. It's like, yo, read our script. Hey, mm-hmm. check this out or check out my movie and things like that. And I think what a, when a lot of people have questions on like how to make something, they don't realize how sometimes it could be as simple as just asking. Cause that, some, yeah, that's sometimes. the thing. That's a big thing, especially at our level of filmmaking um the answer is always no if you don't ask the whole you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take kind Mm -hmm. of kind of idea um like uh, one of the locations is the outside and the inside of kate's house and i we were like this idea probably isn't gonna work but we're gonna try it anyway i wrote a letter it was like dear homeowner i'm a film student at blah 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 school and uh, I'm interested in using the exterior of your house for my movie. And me and a buddy walked around and put them in people's mailboxes of houses that looked uh, fit the aesthetic of what I was going for. Mm-hmm. And people actually got back to us. And now we're right. using um, the exterior of this lady's house who ended up... She's a, um interior designer, so she's absolutely stoked to have her stuff in the movie. Nice, nice. I did get an email, though from someone else who was like, hey, Nicole, I got your letter. I just want to confirm with your professor that this is nothing X-rated. Oh, yeah, that was... (laughs) And and I know my professor pretty well, and he was like... I could hear the sarcasm in his reply. He's like, I am the professor. Right. This is not going to happen. Like, Don't worry about it. If you have any other questions, contact me. 
Like, you, plus, you we're see, shooting outside your house. What do you think? We're yeah, the ex do? well, because you know the exterior of it. You know, there's the establishing shots and porn, obviously. Uh, yes, you, right. You want the plumber outside before he goes inside. Yeah, it's, I mean, the continuity is what seals bro, the deal for is, me. It exactly. is weird. I've been <laughs> in that position once when we were filming something outside. It was like, uh, by a bunch of factories. You know, like you have like a factory drive, and it's just like mm -hmm. a bunch of different factories located there. So there's usually nobody out there. And we were filming because it was sort of like a lot. And it was like this little action movie. It was like the first semester that I had of uh, film school. And we're, the whole point was we were supposed to be, they were supposed to be beating up somebody. And as they're beating him up, just like stomping on the ground, guy comes down and he goes, yo, what are you doing? We all look around and I like point the camera at him. And I'm like, oh, well, we're, we're shooting a, a, a short film. Short film for what? For school. Okay, you do what you gotta do. And then we just proceeded right. to beat him up. Like, right. if we and were actually <laughs> killing him, all you have to say is, oh, it's a short film for school. Absolutely. Right. It's a student short and film. And that's the thing that I've, a lot of student productions tend to get in trouble for, too. Uh, I know something that they stressed a lot at my film school was if you are using a gun in your movie, mm -hmm. contact the Philadelphia police. police. <laughs> like, you don't want the police. I don't know what happened. You. <laughs> yeah, that's. Exactly. <laughs> That was something one of our professors told us too, because we oh. actually had uh, a horror story of someone like their their film was people breaking into a house and they're supposed to be like a SWAT team or robbers or something. You know, they're dressed mm -hmm. all in black, spray painted the guns, like spray painted or over the orange tip, and uh. they got fucking busted. Safety first. Some people don't get that as well. Yeah. yeah. You get some points. But that's the thing, you know, you, one of the <laughs> obstacles when you're working with these ultra-low budgets uh, on your production is you don't have the resources to necessarily close down an entire street mm -hmm. or to get uh, a bunch of people to block off areas and uh, to, to really, really go all out. So that's one of the things that uh, ends up being an obstacle, too. Like, I remember for a shoot that I did, uh, we were getting some sound bleed from someone who was having a barbecue a couple blocks over and didn't want to turn down their music. And that's just the kind of thing that you can't really account for uh, and you then have to deal with and you kind of just have to be it's polite the about process. it. You know, I, I walked over and meekly kind of knocked on the door and said, would you please, we're, we're gonna, we're trying to do this thing. We don't have money to pay you, you know. They didn't turn down their music, but I tried. So he doused it. <laughs> Yeah. He prayed to the Lord and the Lord came down with the thunderous of just rain and took him out. Right. It, it really just, yeah. I mean, it, one of the biggest issues I know always comes down to uh, finding your locations, making sure that you have the best thing, and just preparation. I think pre-pro is the biggest thing that a lot of yeah. uh, real indie filmmakers forget about. But even when you're on location, that there's always going to be so many mess ups, so many things that you need to think on your feet. And that's where yep. a lot of people always come in and they want to be a director. And just to keep it straightforward, right? And Nicole and I, we went, we took classes together. We know some people are just not built to be directors. Mm -hmm. A director, as they always say, needs to be able to take questions 24 seven while you're on set. It's absolutely a think on your feet, adjust as you go. That's what it is. Situation. So. Um, Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, shit. Sorry, I hit my mic. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back when we were filming um, People Die, which was her horror short film. And it's like when we were filming at night, we were able to get a private location. But then you have to think on your feet when it comes to you're out in the middle of nowhere. You got no power. So then I got to think about buying a generator. That's right. money. And the generator runs on gas. More money. Then that generator is going. Brrr, <laughs> so it's like that you have sound to. sound bleed. Mm -hmm. Holy. 
Holy and it's shit. all these different things that a lot of people don't think about. You good? <laughs> things like this where you have to think on your feet in order to be able to make sure that everything is going correctly. But um, from like all the requests that we always get, right? Pre-production is probably the biggest part of it. Uh, I think production is the funnest part of it. Right. Um, Provided that you've done your pre-pro. <laughs> yeah, because... Cause paperwork is my least favorite thing. I but I also yeah. get super excited about it because it's filmmaking paperwork. So yeah. I, can, I can deal with it. If you, but the no better one's like, your pre-production is, the better your everything exactly. else will go. That's why you want it to go like that. But I think Alfred Hitchcock is like the only one who really loves it that much. I think Alfred Hitchcock is the only one who hates the filming process. He's like, all the fun happens in pre-production because in my my fantasy is wild. But during production, remember he hate he hated actors. He's yeah, like, what do you call them? Like human props. Yeah, he called them human props. He's just like, can I get what? Can they give me what I want? <laughs> well, I mean, that's that a whole other level. That's the th so you know for the people who are really unfamiliar, pre-production is what we call the developing mm -hmm. of the project, getting Writing it all script, ready for getting your crew. production. When is you when actually filming. are there filming it, and then when you're done filming, you have your post-production. Post -production. That's the editing. And uh, I've had it, I've had it explained to me that uh, pre-production is you trying to plan the best, th like trying to imagine the best film possible. Production is. Attempting to execute it and post-production post is like picking up the the scraps from yeah. it and trying to assemble it into something. So there is an element of pre-production being the most limitless, right? Like that's yep. when you haven't totally. made any mistakes and you can try and figure out things. And even if you uh, if you're in a situation with your where you are a low-budget movie and you have this scene that takes place somewhere where you can't film it's fun to then be in the mindset okay where are we going to move this where it'll capture the same idea but it's achievable uh, and that's for me is one of the things that i find really fun about doing the ultra low budget productions is that since you don't have the budget to spend to just say we we want a train car we'll be on a train car you have to adapt to what resources you have around you mm -hmm. and and Sometimes. try to Try to you know figure out what's available to you within yeah. your means. It could be beneficial too. Sometimes you don't know. A mistake will happen, and it's like boom, you got one of the best shots in the movie. You didn't even think right. about it. Right. Yeah, I mean, when we filmed the the whole the whole title is "People Die" in this movie, mm -hmm. and um, when we filmed "People Die," um, if we hadn't had that fog machine, and it just so happened like we were getting a shot of the killer coming up on these people, and. Uh, we had a light behind him, fog machine between him and the light, and then the subject. And if it just, just kind of like one of these serendipitous, you know, happenstance kind of things, if it hadn't been just the right amount of windy, never would have gotten that shot. Yeah, right. Or, Sometimes it's just magic. Yeah, like, um, we actually, speaking of uh, pre-pro, we didn't, one day we didn't plan on bringing the amount of chairs that the characters needed. It would just so happen that the cast and crew brought them for like the green room hangout area, and we just kind of yanked them. And this is part of the movie now. Uh, yeah. One of the guys brought tiki torches, and it ended up uh, adding a lot of depth to the mm -hmm. to the shot. And um, that's before we continue. I just want to address what that noise was. <laughs> um, I have a boom arm for my mic, 
And uh, Bro, I thought you had a gong or something. I had no idea <laughs> yeah. what was going on. Well, I have I'm a like... boom arm, and the desk I'm currently at isn't the desk I'm usually at. And okay. it has a glass top. And I guess I put it on a little too tight because <laughs> it just cracked. Woo! Oh, no. <laughs> like one of the corners is just disconnected. The only thing holding it on is the boom arm. Ugh. Well, that's a production cost right there, which I right, think is the right. perfect segue to one of the things <laughs> that people need to understand when it comes to independent film. Funding. I think that now that we're at this point in time where, you know, I think back to stories like I had mentioned earlier where you had um, Robert Rodriguez literally was giving his blood to get money to, what Kevin was it? Kevin Smith was taking out credit cards. Credit cards and sold and his entire film. comic collection, which if you know Kevin Smith, that's, ooh, that's, that's, that's a lot, right? In order to be able to get funding for this movie... And they didn't even have the resources we have today. You know what I mean? Nowadays, right. we have so many things. You you can pick. GoFundMe, Seed and Spark, which she'll talk about in a little bit more. Uh, Indiegogo. What is it? Indiegogo. And then all of the... Pl- just use PayPal if you want. Just tell people if they trust you enough to send you through PayPal. Patreon. Uh, Issa Rae, as we were talking about earlier. She has a Patreon just so she can fund artists that she's seeking out. And truly independent artists who she wants to support. Um... But also just the avenues of being able to upload and reach people. The fact that you can put out a casting call and be able to reach people through Facebook or Twitter or other social media. Mm-hmm. To be able to update people on what's going on with the project. To keep you not only accountable for it, but be able to grow that audience. You know what I mean? It's like nowadays we have YouTubers who have been able to make their own movies. It's a lot of trash, <laughs> but... Because of that, I think of the ones that are bigger, right? I think of um, the guy who did The Conjuring 2, Lights Out. I mention right. him all the time. He was posting to YouTube, and he and he got the attention, right? 10 Chlorophyll Lane, that dude did a Portal fan film. Straight to YouTube, got the attention. Issa Rae, who you just mentioned. Issa Rae, Donald Glover, Bo Burnham. Like, Bo Burnham. It's an avenue where you can now create an audience or make something that reaches the right person, and then boom, you skyrocket. And even if you don't, People, like, I, I think of us. We have our own audience here online. The Intercutters. I I don't know if that's the name of the good stick. Intercuties. Uh, yeah, sure. The Intercuties. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what the comments say about that. Uh, where you can build your I'm own audience. That fandom. And thrive off that. <laughs> I support that. And thrive off that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, where you don't need millions of people watching. You can actually have your own thing. People have their own podcasts. And they don't have over 100,000. But they're making good money. And people who have their own YouTube channels, their own avenues somewhere else, right? You don't need to be that. I go, like, even in other avenues. Etsy. They don't own their own fashion thing. But, bro, some people make them bank off Etsy. Yeah, it's, it's in, about the, the amount of passion behind those things, Thank right? Thank you. If you have 3,000 people willing to chip in $1 a month, that's, that's enough to fund a lot of creative projects. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just, does your project have some sort of appeal? Can you find that niche? Can you develop that niche? Uh, but trying to do it without funding entirely, it's going to end up leading to some problems because, you know, ultimately it comes down to things cost money. The equipment we get costs money. Hiring people, if you need to hire people, that costs money. <laughs> That'll stay costs money because one of the biggest things that you always said, we were talking about contracts earlier, if you don't get either friends who believe in you, or you're paying someone who definitely is, is, is skilled in what they do, you run through what is the biggest problem. People don't show up. Yeah. 
it's happened to both of our sets. <laughs> mm, yeah. You're like, right, you get someone showing up like, bro, I completely forgot it was today. What do you, yep. wait, it's four in the afternoon. How'd you just wake up? <laughs> and and you're, you always run into that because unless you got someone on a contract, many times they waver or you're not getting that energy that, that you hopefully need. Mm-hmm. Because, and even sometimes when you pay people, you want to make sure you're working with the people who you trust the most. Because um, I think back to, uh, I want to say it's Denny. If it's not Denny, it's uh, Bradford Young who always said, I don't work with somebody unless I would have them sit down and have lunch with my family and it, my, my wife and my daughters. <laughs> and I always thought that was the dopest thing in the world. He's like, I'm about yeah. to spend months with them. Right. Right? Indies, I would say, in indie years, <laughs> two days would probably be like a month in actual filming because of how much hours you spent. But he would say that, and I'm like, that's a really cool thing because you're about to spend all these hours and you're going to put the trust in everything with these other people you want to make sure it's someone you trust and i that's that quote always stuck with me on the funding side for us we are using seed and spark um it's different from like kickstarter or indiegogo that is it is specifically for film or tv shows Mm -hmm. um also we need to get whatever your campaign goal is you have to hit it's either 80 or 85 percent of it to get anything but Another cool thing about Seed and Spark is that if you make a decent movie, I guess, and they like it, they'll let you stream it on their website. And mm-hmm. people with the subscription to Seed and Spark can watch it, or you can pay like a couple bucks, I believe, per viewing. Um, if I remember correctly, one of our professors has a movie on Seed and Spark. Yeah, nice. Um, and that's kind of a overall idea of Seed and Spark, I guess. Um, but for our side of it, they let you break down what we, what you need and like what you need the money for. Yeah. A lot of it goes towards craft, like food. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie because I think the most people will have on set is like 14 for like a, a day. That's the highest possible people we'd have on set. And I mean... You do the math, for, right? If it's 14 yeah, for, people. Yeah, for lunch and dinner. That's, what is it, $10 per meal is the average that it's supposed to be? So you have to I multiply believe so, yeah. that. And then it's also craft, with the, which they usually say for a size around that. It's like $200 worth of craft. Craft being just the snacks that are out there. Yeah, you need waters. And you need waters. Yep. And, you, and you need coffee. That's a damn fact for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, especially on a film set. All of that adds up with multiple days. Mm-hmm. And you need food. If you don't have food on a film set, Especially on, you know, this level of filmmaking, I mean, if you're yeah. not paying people, mm-hmm. right? they're going to, you're going to have a riot on your hands mm-hmm. if you don't feed them, especially, you know, you providing it so they don't have to pay for it themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on probably my first film set and it was halfway through the day and I didn't, I was starting to feel real, like, kind of sick and just dehydrated and I had like a little bag of M&M's. And that just gave me the energy to get through to right. catering. And you don't think about that until you're working for 12-hour days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 12-hour days on set, not to mention whatever time you woke up and how long it takes you to get to set. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Maybe if you're a producer or director, yeah, you're there longer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember with People Die, like, uh, one, of the, one, of the, one of the biggest things is it also makes them feel special. Like, mm-hmm. it's not just that of giving them the drive, but I remember I was like, I knew 
who likes specific energy drinks? Some people like Five Hours, some people like Nas, some people like Red Bull, some people like specific Red Bulls. The blue is the right. best, by the way. So it's like just bringing that was cool. And I remember learning that from sets like Nicole's set and other sets that I had been on. So when I had shot my film on an airplane, which again, all we had to do was ask. Yeah. <laughs> ask a couple times, but you surprised you got an airplane. Um, it was that. It was asking people, right, if you couldn't pay them, what's your favorite snack? Then they get to set and they see their favorite snack is there and that literally drives them. Yeah, it's like, just the, the like it's the right? that counts. That's exactly. It. I remember bringing root beer. To go get me my favorite thing. Exactly. I remember bringing root beer. I specifically got Bark's root beer for our boy John. And then like <laughs> he never even saw it. like I think he, he never drank it, but he saw it and he's like, Oh, that's cool. But he was so busy doing sound for us that yeah. I knew the thought of the root beer got it. You, you guys know what poke bowls are? Like these, these rice the candy? bowls. No, no, no. no. Oh, okay. They're like rice bowls. Uh, you can have them with like fruit or different meats, usually raw fish. It's like a sushi kind of thing. Okay. Uh, I talked to this poke restaurant near one of our shoot locations and convinced them to give us meals for, I think it was $7 per person. Okay. So oh. for this one day, we got these like really beautiful rice bowls and it was very healthy and everybody got to customize it their way. And that just... It picks the energy up. People give it better does. performances. People are happy to be there. You, you know, you don't. As as someone who wants to make films, you often don't think about things like that. But when you're in the seat of a producer, those sometimes are the decisions that really, really help stuff get done. Mm-hmm. That was a fact. <laughs> Especially on you know something like uh, your movie on the plane, where it was, or you know people die, and it was very um, <clears throat> run and gun. Yeah. Uh, on People Die, we were in the middle of a field in Marseilles, Illinois. And then it was muddy, too. Bro, I still it got was my so vans muddy. are jacked up. Oh, my shoes? You should see my Bro, the boots I was done. wearing. They still have stuff on them. Yeah. But, you know, and like, uh, one of the scenes called for a bonfire. So one of our, like, crew members just started, like, roasting fruits and vegetables on the bonfire. So... He was, he was like, oh, you should try this. And we, we had, like, a little cabin where we had, like, roast beef and sandwiches and all that yeah. stuff in there. But it, it kind of gave the actors a little spot to chill and hang out. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. whole weekend we shot, it was just like we were hanging out. Like, we actually just went camping. That's the beauty of it. We just right. went home every night. That is the beauty of it. Yeah, the, the mud on your shoes brings me, uh, I think it's a good point, that brings me to a question. I feel like particularly when it comes to producing, but especially as a director too, uh, one of the big things when it comes to these ultra low budget things is trying to think of all the little unexpected Mm -hmm. things, right? Like you gotta be able to anticipate that there's gonna be mud on the ground. You gotta be able to anticipate that your actors are gonna need water. Uh, Are are there any instances like that that either of you can think of uh, from stuff you've worked on where it was something you either didn't think of or somehow thought of that uh, helped or hurt a film that you worked on. I have one big one, but Nicole, if you got one, uh, my car got stuck in the mud on that shoot. Oh, I, yeah, that's that's where the mud came from. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, that was that was a fun one. I remember um, the shirts because, especially for her shoot in particular, because you we needed multiple shirts. Because of like the gut, the, the, the like cuts and the gashes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it was making sure that there was double of the shirts because right. when you're filming multiple days and you come back, it's a continuity thing right there, right? If someone's got a huge slash right here, and then the next day, 
It's like that shirt didn't get cleaned or you have another shirt, but it's not in the right place. It's like that's one thing that you need to make sure of. Uh, for me, it was the yeah. it was the door of the plane. I don't know if you remember that, Nicole. <laughs> we weren't able to shut oh, the yeah. door of the plane for ventilation uh. purposes and because that's where the uh, staircase was. Also, so we, we weren't, like, you couldn't totally shoot, uh, if you were filming someone, you couldn't really shoot out the window. We're on the that ground. too. Exactly, because we're on the ground. We, we didn't have enough budget to get it up there yet. <laughs> we couldn't access the, yeah. So when it came to that, it's like, specifically because we have one right there, filming towards the cockpit, that was kind of in the way. So we had to film it in a weird position so that, like, the light that was bursting in at, like, 2 p.m. wasn't, like, completely obstructive. So we had to, like, pretty much do one of those things. Go to the crafty table. <laughs> Take the tablecloth. Oh, yeah. remember, remember that? We oh, had, yeah. like, everyone else who was an extra try to, like, cover that up. And mm-hmm. still there's going to have to be some masking on that. But, yeah, it's weird things like that, trying to run and gun it. But... Going back to the Seed and Spark side of things, that's what's so cool about it. Like this discussion right here, a lot of people who are making films, it's good to know that, to be on other sets. Being on other sets is when you learn the most. But for the people who you want to reach out to, the audience, they want to feel like they're a part of the movie. They want to know why should I pay for it, not just wait till the finished product is done, right? So, So Seed and Spark providing that thing where it tells you, this is where the food is going, right? I just compare it to Patreon. Patri- patrons want to know, all right, well, what are you using this money for, though? Right, <laughs> you know what right. I mean? So you tell them Why it's for equipment. You, you tell them what, what you're providing for them. It's a completely different avenue, and I think Cedar Spark yeah. does that great. And that's why she's using it again. And then they uh, they have updates, too. There's a whole update thing. You that, can, too. You can follow yeah. the movies. You don't necessarily have to contribute. They call them – it has to be contrib- – you know, call them contributions because they're not donations. Um, you can – you as the filmmaker can upload photos, videos, just mm-hmm. text, however frequently you want to keep people in the loop and be like, hey, here's like we're actually using your money, and yeah, we're also right. you know especially in in this movie's case, I'm doing all this pre-production and getting ready to shoot before we're even crowdfunding. We're not gonna the crowdfunding probably won't end until a couple days before we're set to shoot. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, they feel so like they're a part of it. it. Yeah. That transparency is another element to it now that, mm-hmm. that makes it more fun to support these movies. And they're and I, supporting I think, you. They like you. Yeah. If you can if you can if you can manage to show that you'll be engaging, that you'll be transparent, that you'll bring people along on that journey, that's another point that you can sell. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We also have right, some so incentives, so that's cool too. You get oh, stuff. Do you want to talk about that at all before we move on to our final segment? Um, they're not set in stone yet because I do have to hear back from Scene Spark, mm-hmm. but um, they they I believe they range from like ten to a thousand dollars or something like that, depending on how much you want to contribute. It goes from you know a, a copy of the movie to you know a day on set. If um, you're close. <laughs> if you're close, yeah, that's yeah, a, right. That's a good point. But I'm also doing like a director vlog. The entire time, so if you contribute a certain amount, you'll get that kind of behind-the-scenes element to it. Mm-hmm. Nice. In addition to that, we're also doing a separate behind-the-scenes, so there's even more of that. It's all about that transparency and that connection. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Saying. So to follow Nicole along with her film, make sure to check out the links down below. We'll leave uh, links down there so you can check out her movie as it gets into production and hopefully donate 
or contribute a little bit to Seed and Spark. Yeah. Uh, we are going to move on to our final segment of the week. It's the new to see where we talk about what's new in theaters to streaming and on VOD. Starting with August 24th, Happy Time Murders is in theaters. This is the uh, R-rated Muppet movie with Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> AXL, I haven't even heard of this one, but apparently it's coming Bro, out. Bro, I thought that movies. was Alpha. Is it called Alpha? <laughs> no, 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 no. Alpha's Alpha another movie with a dog. Yeah, yeah. This is the, yeah. So this is just like dog month at the theaters. Yes. And I end on VOD because Isle of Dogs came out. Uh, uh. And then the one that Art's very excited for on August 24th, it's searching finally out Ooh. everywhere. Well, limited, 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 I hear. Is it limited? Yeah, they pushed uh, it back 31st true. everywhere, yeah. Uh, okay, okay. So, might have to wait a little bit longer. I'm going to see it on the 24th. Yeah, boy. <laughs> uh, also, at limited release on that weekend, uh, Papilla, Papillon, I think it's pronounced. It's a remake of the 1973 movie with Dustin Hoffman. This one stars Rami Malek and Charlie Hunnam. Uh, support the Girls from director and Andrew Bialski. Uh, with Regina Hall and Haley R- Lou Richardson. Yeah, I, boy. I you saw this one, right? I saw Haley Lou Richardson. <laughs> uh, there's also The Replicas, The Bookshop, Beautifully Broken, John McEnroe in the Realm of Perfection, and An L.A. Minute, all in limited release this weekend. New to streaming on Netflix, August 21st, Year One. Mm-hmm. I believe that's the Jack Black, Michael Sarah comedy. August 23rd, Great News, Season 1. This is a show co-created by Tina Fey. So if you enjoy her r- rapid pace punchline humor, it'd be, it's, a fun w- excuse me, it's a fun watch on Netflix. August 24th, After Party and Ghoul. August 28th, The Good Place, Season 2. Probably my favorite show on network TV right now. People it is keep hyping so, it. so good. I know uh, Bailey from Break and Banter just got on the tr- train. You got to... You gotta watch that show on Netflix. Yeah, First season's already keeps hyping up. it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then on August 29th, Inequality for All. HBO Now, like I mentioned, Insecure is back, but on August 25th, they're uploading the movies Drew Michael and Father Figures. Art, did you see Father Figures, or did you let that one slide? Is that the one with Owen Wilson? Yeah. Trash! That's <laughs> <laughs> trash. And then on Amazon, August 25th, a couple movies from earlier this year, Disobedience, The Escape of Prison, Prisoner 614, and Woman Walks Ahead with Jessica Chastain. Uh, Disobedience is my favorite of those. It's one of my movies I really enjoyed this year. I thought Rachel Weisz is excellent in it. Rachel McAdams mm-hmm. is excellent in it. So I highly recommend so you to check catch that it. one out. And then on August 26th, uh, Mother is going to be available on Amazon Prime as well as on Hulu, the Jennifer okay. Lawrence Aronofsky movie. On August 23rd on Hulu, Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Then on August 24th, Crime and Punishment, an original Hulu documentary. Bro, that's good. Then, uh, yeah, you've seen it? Yeah, I got a screener of it. It's pretty good. Uh, so August 24th on Hulu. And then on August 26th, Gangs of New York, the Martin Scorsese classic with Daniel Day-Lewis and Leonardo DiCaprio. Not one of my favorite Scorsese movies, but mm-hmm. worth a watch. New to VOD, a lot of movies coming out on August 21st. Deadpool 2, Show Dogs, Three Something, The Ninth Passenger, First Reformed, Watch the Sky, God's Not Dead, A Light in the Darkness, I Can, I I Will, I Did, 
Action Point, and Dead Love. Then on August 24th, Blue Iguana, Summer of 84, I Am Vengeance, What Keeps You Alive, and Arizona. A lot of movies to catch up on. A lot of movies out there. Art, let us know. What is your pick of the week? Bro, y'all already know my pick for the week. It's going to be this week and it's going to be next week because y'all need to know. You need to support it. If you're going to the theaters, watch Searching. I believe it is coming out in New York, LA, probably Austin. It's not as limited as other ones like 8th Grade was. It's so not super I, limited. I don't think it's super limited, which is why it's super confusing. But I know it goes yeah. wide next week. Uh, searching. I'm going to mention it this week. Spoiler alert. I'm going to mention it next week as well. Uh, so obviously, if you're going to theaters, save up your money for that. Check into MoviePass right now. Hopefully, you can get a ticket for it. Or just support it with your own money because so far, this is my favorite of the year. My Brigsby Bear of this year. If you're staying Ooh. at home... Uh, this isn't a new one, but I just caught it because since I'm going to go on my trip, I've been I've been trying to make a bunch of Let Me Explains and videos. And one of my highly requested LME ones has been this movie called Train to Busan, which has oh, been on yeah, my list yeah. for a bit. And I know it was on Netflix and I checked it. Boy! Is this a Korean zombie movie? I should have seen this in theaters. Train to Busan is legit. Korean zombie movie that takes place on the train to Busan. Uh... There's a prequel, an animated prequel that's already out. Oh. They just greenlit the sequel, which is supposed Ooh. to be like all of Busan gets sake. I don't know what it is, uh, but that's been greenlit. There's a remake that they're working on called Night to Busan. I don't care oh. about that one, but Train to Busan is on Netflix right now. You can check awesome. it out. It is fantastic. So those are my picks. Searching in theaters, Train to Busan if you're at home. That one, Train to Busan, is definitely on my list. I've heard a lot of good hype about it, though I haven't seen it yet. Nicole, uh, what do you recommend people at home watch? Well, it's not a new one, but I do believe it is cool. fairly new. Still. I believe Art of talking about this. Somebody. It is The Ritual on Netflix. Ah. Yeah. It's, uh, I believe it's a Netflix original. It's mm -hmm. got the bad guy from Jurassic World in it. And <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, I thought the cinematography was great. Even I mean, especially at the end there are some plot points that don't really land. It kinda ends in the same way that every Netflix original movie does. It's a little cheesy and things just kinda fall into place so conveniently. Yeah. But I would say that the cinematography is beautiful. Would, is like in more independent A twenty four. How they Not do more. horror. Yeah, that's a very that's a perfect way to pitch it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Very interesting. Cool. So, uh, horror movie out there on Netflix for the horror fans. The Ritual. Check that one out. Yeah. Other As than that, me, Happy Time Murders. You're excited oh, for that one? <laughs> oh yeah, that's exactly my sense of humor. That's great. <laughs> I literally have a screening for searching August twenty third. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm leaving that weekend, so I'm catching the screening for searching. In order to be able to make my video on it. That means I have to stay up late to watch that uh, Happy Time Murders in a, at a late show time. But mm -hmm. then I have to rush back home because it's my sister's birthday the 24th. I can't miss that. So I, I am literally having to stay up till like, I don't know what point, travel, I don't know where, just to watch Happy Time Murders. And then have to, have to work on the video before I head on my trip. So I swear to you, this movie <laughs> better be funny. Yeah, I was gonna say. Well, like you might just be so stressed that you just hate it. I I that I hope like, not. <laughs> I hate this movie for for just, just one more thing I have to do. One more thing right. I have to watch. I think it'll be great. 
You can it looks it fun looks funny. Play. It's fine. It looks funny. Yeah. Stream it for me while I'm driving. <laughs> while I'm driving. <laughs> yeah. uh, as for me, I already mentioned that I really love Disobedience. That's mm-hmm. shown up on Amazon Prime. I would catch up with that if you had any interest in the movie. Uh, thought it was a really beautiful story of like finding yourself and being like realizing who you are. Uh, I thought it was really well done. Also, I realized I hadn't actually recommended Eighth Grade yet. Just talked about how much mm. I loved it. But I am recommending Eighth Grade. It's it's expanded to a lot of theaters. Uh, hopefully it's in your area by now. Check again if you checked earlier. I, I, it's one of my favorites of the year. I think it's so acutely observed, so specific in its details of childhood and anxiety and growing up. Uh, the way that it depicts Kayla's story, I found to be really, really resonant and, and, and just in line with my experience of not knowing what I'm doing as a teenager trying to become an adult. Uh, I love the movie. I think it's hilarious. It's also dramatic. And and I think it's something that'll work for all ages. If you're young, you'll appreciate it from the perspective of school. If you're somewhere in between, you'll be able to look back nostalgically. If you're a little bit older, you can see it from the parents' perspective. I think there's a lot of great stuff in there. I highly recommend Eighth Grade. But that's all for this week's show. Nicole, thank you so much for joining us. Let the people know where they can find more from you online. From me? Well, on Twitter, it's at Bauer underscore media. Bauer's B-A-U-E-R. I'm mostly on Twitter. My name is the same on Instagram. And then just forget Facebook. (laughs) Ifrit is also (laughs) as well. I agree. Thank you for asking me to come on here. For sure. You could also follow her on As We Go. She's been yeah. updating a bunch of the stuff there. It's going to be things there. So when it comes to uh, if you want to support the film, literally just a dollar helps, if anything, and it allows you to keep up. If you want to donate more, most definitely. Uh, as We Go, I know the Twitter's up, the Facebook is up, mm-hmm. and through those outlets Seed you'll be able Spark to see. Seed Spark is incoming. Exactly. So if you're following those, you'll be able to see when the Seed and Spark is uh, going to yeah. pop up, and you can support the I have the links there. in my Twitter bio yep. that links you to the page. Mm-hmm. And even just sharing it, just watching it along for for when the movie comes out. Any promotion is good promotion. But no, thank you, Nicole, for being on. I think it's always an interesting discussion, especially for us. We're always in that community of like commentary, uh, reviewing movies. But when you actually get to the process of creating movies and, and you get to the whole like filmmaking, the pre, the production and the post, you get a different value from movies because then you go and you watch a movie and you go, how did they do that? How do they not go insane? It's a miracle yeah. if a movie just gets made with all the different factors. But oh yeah, yeah, Absolutely. definitely, definitely check we that out as we go as the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Any you of can that? find you can find the link to uh, Nicole's film as well as her other information down in the description below. You can also catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter at zshevich or on Instagram also at zshevich. And if you have time. I'd really appreciate if you could check out these uh, new videos I made with the singer Margot and her band. Uh, we shot some live takes of her songs in this beautiful studio in the Bronx. Ended up being down the street from James Franco filming The Deuce season two. Uh, but Margot well. is someone I've made a couple videos with now. Uh, we got to play around and try a different, couple different styles. For one of her songs, Vanilla Boy, we did it as a over four minute long take with no cuts. Uh, so that was a fun challenge. It'd mean a lot to me if some of y'all went over there and maybe left a comment, left a thumbs up. 
I'll, I'll leave a link down below as well. So thanks just say, for checking those out. Just say checking in, inner cutie. Just hyphen <laughs> inner cutie. Just an inner cutie. Say hi. Just inner cutie. Just just so we know where you're coming from. Art, where can people find more from you? You can find me at the A to Z Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Instagram and Twitter in particular because I'm about to go on this road trip. Finally, I do not want to look at a screen for a week after all of the damn editing I've been doing this week. I am <laughs> sick and tired. I have been binging five movies a day just to be able to make some of these videos. Half of them have been horror, so I'm just completely done with it. Uh, but I'm going to be on a road trip probably an entire week. I'm going to try to not post just nothing. Nothing. We'll see if you can get away with I don't, it. Yeah, I highly doubt it. I already know I'm going to be editing. <laughs> and we're driving there, too, because it's going to be a road trip. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to be on the road. So, definitely Twitter and Instagram are the def definite places to find me. But, of course, the A to Z show. Uh, I've been working to make sure I have content while I'm away as well. But, of course, what's going to continue even when we're on the road trip is the Intercut Podcast. Yes, you can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on whatever your favorite podcatcher is. I like Overcast. And also, make sure you're subscribed not just to the audio podcast, but the video feed on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash intercutpod, where you can see our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment throughout the week for you. Find new episodes of Intercut every Thursday. Oh, switching it up for you. We're switching it up. We're going to Thursdays. That should make this a little more routine, a little easier. Uh, summer is coming to an end soon, so we want to get back into that regular routine. So make sure to look for us on Thursdays, and uh, maybe we'll get the audio out to you a little bit early some weeks. Also, like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. All of them are at IntercutPod. You'll get updates throughout the week from me, from Art, from Nicole, from all of our guests, I've been retweeting stuff like that. So Twitter's a really good place to keep an eye on intercut stuff. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, it's not like in the movies. It's better because it's real. Yep, that's what Zach tells me every, after every intercut. <laughs> that's a quote. That's a quote from the thing you told me to quote. Hey, if you say so.